Good morning, and welcome to Old Readers Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive reader from Toronto, Canada. Today is Thursday, October the 4th, and we are reading from the big book, page 130, the third paragraph. There will be other profound changes through four paragraphs, ending with each individual should consult his own conscience and commenting on all four paragraphs. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Jackie M, 12 Traditions, Anita L, and readers of the text, Janice PM, Reva P, and Allison L. The reference numbers for Wednesday, October the 3rd, the 7 a.m. meeting, 11995, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 11997. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jackie M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Jackie M. from New York, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for, his, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. 
and I pass. Thank you, Jackie M. And Anita L. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 130, the third paragraph. There will be other profound changes through four paragraphs ending with each individual should consult his own conscience and commenting on all. And Janice PM, could you start us off please? I certainly will, uh, Lynn S. Thank you for your service. My name is Janice P. I'm from Massachusetts. 
a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, there will be other profound changes in the household. Liquor incapacitated father for so many years that mother became head of the house. She met these responsibilities gallantly. By force of circumstances, she was often obliged to treat father as a sick or wayward child. Even when he wanted to assert himself, he could not. For his drinking placed him constantly in the wrong. Mother made all the plans and gave the directions. And when sober father usually observed. Um, Thus, mother, through no fault of her own, became accustomed to wearing the family trousers. Father coming suddenly to life again often begins to assert himself. This means trouble unless the family watches for these tendencies in each other and comes to a friendly, friendly agreement about them. Drinking isolates most homes from the outside world. Father may have laid aside for years all normal activities, clubs, civic duties, sports. When he renews interest in such things, a feeling of jealousy may arise. The family may feel they hold a mortgage on dad, so big that no equity should be felt for outsiders. Instead of developing new channels of activity for themselves, mother and children demand that he stay home and make up the deficiency. Well, at the very beginning, the couple ought to frankly face the fact that each will have to yield here and there if the family is going to play an effective part in the new life. Father will necessarily spend much time with other alcoholics, but this activity should be balanced. New acquaintances who know nothing of alcoholism might be made and might be made in thoughtful consideration given their needs. The problem of the community might engage attention. Though the family has no religious connections, they may wish to make contact with or take membership in a religious body. Well, alcoholics who have derided um, religious people will be helped by each by such contacts. Being possessed of a spiritual experience, the alcoholic will find he has much in common with these people, though he may uh, differ with them on many matters. If he does not argue about religion, he will make new friends and is sure to find new avenues of usefulness and pleasure. He and the family, he and his family can be a bright spot in such congregations. He may bring new hope and new courage to many a priest, minister, or rabbi who gives his all to minister to our troubled world. We intend the foregoing as just a helpful suggestion only. So far as we are concerned, there is nothing obligatory about it. As non-denominational people, we cannot make up others' minds for them. Each individual should consult his own conscience. I'm going to just take a sip of water. Well, there's a lot of stuff here, but I think the theme of the whole paragraph, too, is, you know, there's going to be profound changes. What does that mean? Well, there's going to be 
deep, far-reaching changes once we become recovered and have a, either a spiritual experience or a spiritual awakening as the result of these, of these steps. Because now we're going to be in a position to practice these principles, whether, you know, uh, the, the family's going to practice them at all. But in my case, I was the alcoholic. I was the compulsive overeater, not the alcoholic. And it's the same thing. My husband took over, believe it or not. Why? Because I wasn't dependable. Uh, I had to do this. I had to do that. I can't eat that. I can't eat this. So he took over the cooking. And of course, you know, he knows what I had to eat. Um, And so he was in that role. If I was coming home and I was tired or angry, he'd say, shh, let your mother sleep a little bit. So he became the head of the household in that respect. Um, uh, But, you know, then I got recovered and, you know, things changed a little bit. I didn't want him to cook. I didn't want him to do certain things. I wanted to do it. And there was a little unbalance there because, see, we all wanted to be in charge. That's the problem in in my family. And yeah, it, it, it isolates us a little bit. My compulsive overeating in the past isolated me uh, because I was so busy with activities, uh, you know, uh, sponsoring and on the phone. And my husband became jealous. And that has to be the worst thing, <laughs> worst emotion that there is, is jealousy. But the point here is that each member of the family has to get a light. And I think that's so important. I have to give, I have to take, I have to let bygones be got bygones. And, it, and, it's, and if I don't practice these principles, it never happens uh, because everything was unbalanced. And uh, that's really, and as far as the alcoholic, um, the, the home and religion, we're not saying you have to join a religious. We're just saying, you know, boy, Every single religion that I've come in contact who's sponsoring, boy, we have so much in common. Really, we're not different from each other. We're the same. And you know that we've met people like that in, in this, in the members of our, um, the members of our team here, uh, of our group. There's Jewish, there's Buddhist, there's Catholic, there's Protestant. We don't say do adore my God. Just we have things in common by practicing the principles of honesty and living those principles uh, spiritually, spiritually. And before you know it, we all come to meet on a common ground. With that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice PM. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Please say your name just once as it helps me hear everyone. Who would like Lisa to share? Lisa B. Nessa R. Madam. Raz G. Vasa O. Barbara E. Okay, that's great. I think we have our line up here. Let me tell you who I heard. Lisa B, Nessa R, Matt M, Roz G, Vasa O, and Barbara E. So if you're not Lisa B, could you please check that you are muted? And Lisa, could you start us off, please? 
Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, this has been such a powerful journey through these chapters. I love the word incapacitated. Well, I don't love the word, <laughs> but it's been a part of my life being incapacitated, and it means deprived of strength or power, debilitated. And um, I really believe that um, this spiritual malady, I was born with it, and I was incapacitated, you know, from a very young age, growing up into adulthood. And when I met my husband, I felt that my life really, and I still feel in so many ways, my life really began when I met my husband, and that could sound so codependent. Um, But he really became um, family and home and really everything to me. And we've been married 25 years now, and um, my husband is also 12 years older than me. So that also kind of set that up a little bit too. But um, I am learning now as a recovered person to be whole, that I need to be whole and to not have so much dependency on him. And um, I now have something to bring to the table. You know, I know I always really had something to bring to the table. I just didn't see it. I didn't know it. But when I got abstinent for the first time, you know, I was abstinent for five years, abstinent only. I thought abstinence was the, the goal. Um, I now know that it's really to get recovered, to have this spiritual awakening, this personality change that they describe in Appendix 2 that will be sufficient enough to get me recovered. And, and that's an inside journey, and the 12 steps is the roadmap to that place. You know, and at one point I wanted to divorce my husband. I was convinced that he was the problem, that my job and all these other things were the problem. The problem has always been inside of me, life, dealing with life, living life, not knowing how to deal with life because I was always incapacitated, you know, plowed over, mowed down by this illness. And I took to the food, I took to alcohol because it gave me an effect. And I, when I came in here to OA, A Vision for You, and I learned what the real problem is inside of me and that abstinence is the key to get in that door that I actually need to get recovered. Um, I am learning how to bring this whole person to my marriage and not have so much dependency on my husband. And I've been able to make verbal amends, living amends, spiritual amends, emotional amends to him, and I continue to do it every day. But it really means deepening my roots in this um, internal life because it's an internal condition and a spiritual awakening and um, there was for many years an imbalance but that is changing and um, I'm grateful for that and it's an ongoing journey and I pass thank you thank you Lisa B Nessa R it's your turn followed by Matt M Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I'm hearing an echo. Um, I don't know if somebody's on speakerphone. Um, Anyhow, I also want to share on profound changes because the changes are profound. Um, You know, my my household used to be a ball of tension. Um, The acrimony... Um, it was it was unbearable, and I believe that I was the cause of most of it. And um, as I recovered, um, you know, through practicing the twelve steps of entire abstinence, and by the grace of God, 
um, you know, that slowly started to change. And that, that's a key caveat, you know, that slowly, you know, um, I was under the impression that, you know, once I put down the food and I lost the weight, everything would be, you know, you know, rosy. And it is, and, you know, page 83 of Into Action says there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. You know, I, I, I did a lot of damage and I didn't do it overnight. Um, and I lost all my credibility with my family. You know, every, every time I said I was going to change, I was going to go on a diet and I didn't do it, you know, that damaged my credibility. So, so it really takes a long time to rebuild the credibility. I'm still rebuilding it, you know, after almost seven years, um, of recovery and being in a, in a normal body. Um, you know, the other thing that I have to say is that, you know, when I was in the disease, it was all about me, what I wanted, what I needed, what I felt was good for me. And so now that I'm recovered, I cannot live that way anymore. I have to take what's, what's important to others, um, you know, um, into consideration, you know, the, you know, an important application of these principles lies, you know, in our, in our lives with our families, our work, etc. And so I've done two things, you know, of course, for me, working my program is, is vital. It is the most important thing that I do today. But, you know, I also have to take my family's needs into account and I cannot be working my program 24-7 at their exclusion. And so two things that I have done that work for me, I'm not saying they'll work for everybody else. Everybody has to find their own thing. But, you know, I wake up very early, extra early in the morning before my household wakes up so that I can do the things that I need to do to take care of myself. And that way, when everybody wakes up, I'm there and available to them, you know, to help with lunches, to, to um, you know, take kids to school, to run errands, whatever my family needs. And another thing that I have done is I have reserved my evenings for them as well to help with, with homework, to help with, you know, driving here, driving there, making dinner, you know, being present at the dinner table, etc. I do spend an incredible amount of time on the phone, but I do it on my own time. You know, the, the ends of the day, you know, the morning and the evening, those are reserved for my family because they are important too. Uh, they were shortchanged enough. They don't need any more shortchanging um, because I am putting myself first again. Um, and uh, it works for me. And, you know, I have a beautiful, thank you. I have a beautiful family life, you know, mostly harmonious. And I think that as, as with the disease, I am the one who sets the tone and it's working so far. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Matt M., it's your turn, followed by Roz G. Yes, thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., a compulsive overeater. I wasn't sure I was going to share this morning because I don't have a family, like I don't have a, a husband or a kids or anything like that. And uh, But I do can share how I deal with my friends on a daily basis and how they're dealing with me now. And uh, I do have a brother and how I'm dealing with him on a, matter, on a much more spiritual basis. You know, I used to avoid his phone calls because he has mental illness and he's developmentally disabled. And I used to be so irritated every time he called me. I used to like, I'm not answering the phone. I'll call him whenever I feel like it. And now I'm learning to answer the phone more and to talk to him more, no matter how uncomfortable the conversations make me, because he is my brother and I do care about him. I love him, and he does matter to me. And he has, I have to make sure he knows that and understands that, because, again, for me, uh, my, my basic thing is to isolate. Even though I'm, I'm recovered, I'm recovery right now, um, I still have to work on myself on a daily basis. My friends have noticed a difference in me, and, like, like unfortunately, some of them, uh, they said they don't like the new me, and that's because I'm not doing the, I'm not being the same old Matt with them. I'm not being the, 
I'm not as much of a happy-go-lucky man as I used to be because I'm not binging on the food on a constant basis. I'm not high as a kite on sugar, wheat, flour, all the stuff that I was eating, you know, before um, I started to work with my current sponsor, and I got abstinent, and I started working the steps with him. You know, it's a definite, it's a definite process, and I had to tell him, like, listen, I'm still me, but I'm becoming a much better version of me, me that I th- I can look at the rest of the world and not cringe when I see certain people on the street, or have to worry about calling someone else because I'm just thinking, oh, they just ta- they just think I'm calling because I want something from them. You know, Matt's calling because he what does he want now? People have told me that before. Like, what do you want? My uncle in particular used to do that. He used to always be like, didn't want to take my call because he always thought I was going to ask him for help for something or ask him for money. So um, I'm learning that this is a process. I'm a human being. I'm still going to make mistakes. But what I want to try to do is avoid making the same mistakes twice more than once. Um, I want to be a much better Matt that I know is out there for other people. I want to be there for other people more, more and more and not just there for myself. Although I'm working on those boundaries that I have to understand that being there for somebody else doesn't mean being too, being um, overly there for them. I can go the opposite direction where I'm, I'm neglecting myself in the process too much. So I'm learning that the key word here is balance. That used to be a four-letter word for me, the word balance, because I used to be at the highest of highs to the lowest of lows, and I didn't like being in the middle so-so, having a so-so day. I used to think by having a so-so day, I was having a bad day. But I know that that's not true anymore. I know that to just for today... I can have a good day and just be so-so. It's okay. It's just enough. You know, recovery is boring. It means that I can't go have, I can't go to certain places right now. I can't do certain things. My social life uh, isn't where I'd like it, but you know what? That, that's the price I have to pay for recovery, you know, and it is what it is. Things will settle down. Things will level out as time goes on. But right now, I have to make sure I keep myself in, in recovery and I can just work this one day at a time with that. I, sh- I can't thank you. Thank you, Matt M. Roz G., it's your turn, followed by Vasa O. Good morning. Thank you for your service. My name is Roz G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in um, Los Angeles County. And I've lived on both sides of the coin in this reading. I was married to an alcoholic, and I did become the head of the house. And I did all of that, all of the obligatory. Um, paying of the bills and making sure that everything was, um, the kids were, you know, taken care of the best I could. And I became very resentful and, you know, my, it was eating for me. And a, a lot of part of that, the ice, talk about isolation. I was very isolated. Um, lived in a, this, you know, this uh, small apartment with three kids and no money. A part, a lot, big part of my disease, or my life, I shouldn't say my life, my life back then was being broke. And so we didn't have a lot of activities. We basically stayed home. Uh, I had plenty of food and television and library, you know, going to the library to get videos and, for the, and books for the kids. It was just a, you know, it was, it was a very isolated life. And um, I sure get um, that... I had to spend much time isolated. I'm repeating myself. But what I really want to get to is that what it says is that at the very beginning, we spent much time with other alcoholics. Well, of course, at the beginning, I spent uh, a lot of time, you know, in Overeaters Anonymous meetings. And as I shared before, uh, when I discovered phone meetings, I was on the phone all of the time. 
you know, I didn't want to miss. I thought I was going to miss out on something on one of the one of the different phone meetings. And I, it, my life was not balanced because I was on the phone all the time. I didn't have any face-to-face contacts, and I was um, walking around with earbuds in my ears all the time. And my my kids were resentful of that because they wanted to talk to me, and I was, you know, always on the phone. But I like the word balanced here. Activities should be balanced. So I've had to, you know, place some boundaries on how many meetings I go to and make sure that I go to face-to-face meetings and that I take part in activities in my society and that I do not um, proselytize um, my religion or Overeaters Anonymous. Like it says, we are a pro- this is a program of attraction rather than promotion. And I've had a couple of people ask me, you're looking really good. What are you doing? That gives me an opportunity to talk about my, you know, and I'm in a 12-step program. And I tell, talk to them about that. I'm also a member of the, my church choir. And I just, like, I, I am a human being in that choir. I blend in. I don't stick out. So I don't have to argue about anything there. All I do is get my music and, and make friends and laugh and, and enjoy singing. There's lots of things that 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 we can do. Is you know, it, like it says, you know, dropping the food is, you know, putting down the food is but a beginning. Time we can food. we okay. Thank you. I just want to say that I've become a member of society, not argumentative, simply grateful and willing to be of service in any way that I can. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Roz G. Vasa O. It's your turn, followed by Barbara E. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Lynn, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. So grateful. I have, I found the Overeaters Anonymous and the 12 steps, and it has been a long process for me, and I'm, I'll never be done. There's always room to grow and to heal, and uh, it's amazing, this program. And, yeah, I, you know, it's really hard for me to accept, like I was like the alcoholic at the beginning, you know. Um, But that was the truth. Yeah, I was functional, but, you know, as the time was going by, the more I was getting into the food, uh, you know, and depending on myself, not having a higher power, and the pen, my, I made my husband to be my higher power. And uh, it was really hard to be self-sufficient and to, to, you know, to take a lot of responsibilities in my own home by myself. I felt like I was um, the one person. My husband worked two jobs, and I felt like I had a lot of responsibilities to do at home because he wasn't around as much. And that drove me, you know, into exhaustion because I was codependent. People please, I couldn't ask for help. I felt guilty. I'm home. I should be doing more and more and more. And it was really hard. And coming in the program, it was just, it's, I was saved, you know, by the grace of my higher power uh, from that balance. I have found balance in my life. I, you know, I, I'm just, I do little of this, little of that. And if I'm taking too much of something, then I need to 
pull back and do less. And my family, my husband was getting resentful at the beginning when I came to the program because uh, he had to take some of the responsibilities that I was doing, and then I had to take some of the responsibilities that he was doing. I got a job, so I didn't have to depend, you know, on him to give me money. I got a little part-time job. I went back to school. That was a miracle. English is my second language, you know, I went back to school. And gradually, like, my life was getting better in every area. And then I got a full-time job, and he resented it because I was becoming more independent. I wasn't dependent on him for money, and, you know, and he liked that part to be in control. And he said, you don't need to get a job. I can, I can, you know, provide for you. But I was very limited. He gave me money just like I was put on allowance, like a little kid was not enough. Oh, it was just crazy, you know, the way my life was going in those years. And um, gradually, little by little, you know, I went back to church. And I, and I didn't go back to my own church. I did not have a really good experience. So I found another church. And people, you know, are the same as in my 12-step program. They're all struggling with things. I said, oh, wow, you have food addiction? Oh, I can bring it to the 12-step. If the 12-step people don't, they, they don't agree with the higher power, I said, Oh, well, go to church. Find this, you know, you could, maybe you could identify over there. So um, I'm just so grateful that um, my husband will remind me now, oh, don't you have a meeting on Tuesday night? If, I, if I'm running late or something. And uh, I say, oh, yeah, I'm, I don't have to be there. You know, I got still five minutes. The meeting's only five minutes from my house. He'll remind oh, me now. Wait, I'll wrap it up. So I think he's happy and and what I'm doing, and I'm happy what he's doing. I'm not dependent on him for emotional support, and it's just amazing. Thank you for letting me share. I know it's my time, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Oh, Barbara E., it's your turn. I think I'm now uh, unmuted. Hi. Uh, Lynn S., thank you so much for your service. Wow, I didn't think I was going to speak today either, but I have to share my, my inner truth. Because I was so heavily into the food and ashamed, my husband often had to take our kids to family and other social events without me. I'd make plans for our family and then cancel them. I vacillated between being resentful when I wasn't included in decisions and then afraid and uncertain when asked to make them. My eating isolated me and by extrapolation my family. Everyone in my family walked on eggshells around me because my emotions were all over the place. I created the problem and I couldn't solve the problem. My thinker was broken and my eyes were clouded over. I really thought food was my only problem. I didn't see how unmanageable my life was. Even when I left our little children in bed, in their cribs, and got in the car and went down to the center to get food, I didn't see the problem. When I stole food from the markets, I didn't see the problem. 
when I got angry at my husband and isolated myself in, in the room upstairs. I didn't see the problem. But as I began to work the steps and follow the directions that were in, are so clearly given in the big book, I began to change. And as I changed, our family got a situation got a little bit rocky because now I was becoming a new me. Slowly but surely, the ship had to right itself, and we began, my husband and I, to change our relationship. We, had, we knew we had to support each other, not butt heads. We knew we had to work together with our kids and learn from our mistakes. The warnings in the big book are clear. It says on page 14, if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. That's what I didn't know, but now I know them and my eyes are clearer. That's why I come here every single day and you are my family within human form. Thank you so much, I pass. Thank you, Barbara E. For those of us who may have come on the line a little later, we are on page 130, the third paragraph. There will be other profound changes through four paragraphs ending, each individual should consult his own conscience and comments on all. And please say your name just once so I can hear everybody. Who would like to share? Naomi B. Amy G. Leah M. Mary Jane Z. This is Larry. Okay, let me tell you who I got. Naomi B. Kim G. Leah M. Mary Jane Z. And Larry K. Naomi, could you start us off, please? Okay, it's Naomi. Did you want me to go? I was unmuting myself. <clears throat> yes, please. Okay, thank you, Lynn. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my family. This is this is Naomi B. <laughs> I love that baby. Uh, this is Naomi B., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. You know, I sit and I listen to all my fellow friends on the phone meeting, and it's like, we're all the same. This is crazy. Like, everybody's been telling my story. I'm. It just, I never realized that this insidious, crazy mental twist that I have could unite me with so many amazing people. And it has. And it just blows my mind. And I could say ditto, ditto, ditto to everyone what they said this morning, but I'm just going to add a little twist on my story, which um, was, yes, when my girls were growing up, I, you know, 280 pounds at five foot, there was no way I could possibly waddle around the fields when the girls were playing hockey or they were doing uh, the drill and the band with, you know, the, the flags. I couldn't do those things, and I didn't. My husband had to take them. I always made excuses. I had my daycare business here in my home, and I was busy getting ready for the kids. But I wasn't taking care of my kids. Okay, so then flip it that I become abstinent. Family's gathering together on a Saturday afternoon. My one daughter travels in from Harrisburg, and they're going to have an ice cream Sunday afternoon. And my poor husband, God bless him, 
they were talking about the different toppings and different things they were going to have. And my husband said to me, are you going to have some? And my daughter said, Dad, Mom doesn't eat that. And what was his response? Oh, I thought she changed her mind. That's it. I thought she changed her mind. But I didn't change my mind, and I haven't. And thank you, God. And the other thing that really resonates in this book, as thousands of things do, how we don't make a sole vocation of this process. And, yes, I'm on the phone meeting a lot, but I, but like the scales, you know, we've got to balance it. We've got to get that even balance. And, and it's cute. It's very cute when my, parent, my husband will speak up and say, you know, I, you're getting, are you getting ready for your meeting tonight, or are, are you going to be on the phone very, very much tonight because I also sponsor? And it just, but it's, it's a calmness in my brain that I've never had before, and I give God all the glory, all the glory from directing me into that beautiful OA meeting that one Saturday afternoon and thinking, where did I land? Who are these people? And I thank him every day. Every minute of the day I thank him because life never stops. Crap comes up, and it's like I go to him instead of the refrigerator. Thank you so much for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B., and that was Amy G. that I heard. Amy, if you're ready, followed by Leah M. Thank you. Uh, my name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Um, yeah, that was me. <laughs> thank you for your service, and thank you, everyone, so much for an awesome meeting. I, I'm not saying anything new here, but it, it bears repeating that, you know, when the – when alcoholism and, for me, compulsive reading is in a family, you know, the family adjusts, and there's like this dysfunctional little balance. And then when recovery happens, that balance is put out of whack, like Janice was saying at the beginning of the meeting, and there's adjustments to be made, major ones, and that that's going to take time. But the difference now is that now I have a program. I mean, it is called the family afterward. There's a reason why they put this chapter in here, the understanding of the huge transitions and adjustments back to what is a, you know, a, a normally functioning family is going to take time. And that most of us do become enthusiasts. I mean, we've, we've heard that word a couple of times now through various paragraphs in the chapter where we tend to swing from one extreme to another. But the goal is for me, I mean, it says in the big book, we are to be of maximum service. Maximum service to those still suffering, to those in our family, and to our community, and that there is a place for each, for each of those areas and how we balance that back out and how we work our program doing that. But I'll never forget my sponsor saying to me is, you know, when I had a struggle with my mother or a struggle with my brother, I mean, I was still living at home in, in early recovery, what she would say to me, and it would drive me batty, but she would say, who is the one that has the program now? Who is the one that is blessed and equipped now with different tools and methods of communicating where others do not? And, of course, that was me. I was the one that needed to step up to the plate when there was an issue that needed to be resolved or when I was addressed harshly by a parent or someone saying I was doing this, this extreme or that extreme where I had to address those issues myself. And thank God for that. As much as sometimes I didn't want to hear it, that was the truth. It was my job to take responsibility for how I was now reacting to life and those around me. And thank God this program equipped me 
uh, with ways to do that. Did I do that perfectly? No. But eventually, as I continued this process, which is what it is, it's a process, you know, things did balance out. And I'm so grateful. I am the one with the program, and I do try to take responsibility. And I'm so grateful for this program because it equipped me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Leah M., it's your turn, followed by Mary Jane Z. Thank you for your service. There will be other profound changes in the household. <laughs> That's an understatement as I look back at uh, over three decades of pressing into this work and uh, growing up as a result of these 12 steps. You know, these 12 steps have matured me and have built character. Um, you know, there's a place in the back of the book, uh, you know, where it talks about, you know, that the alcoholic overcomes his excessive concentration about him, uh, you know, about himself, and that there are profound changes in personality. In fact, you would hardly recognize us. And ain't that the truth? You know, the process of recovery, pressing into these steps and continuing to do so day in and day out, situations, circumstances, characters on the stage of life, uh, we align ourselves with a higher authority, and that authority is God. You know, it used to be, what am I feeling? What do I feel like doing? What do I feel is right? Today, you know, my feelings are irrelevant in a spiritual realm. You know, I have guidelines. I have spiritual uh, guideposts along my day's journey, and that presents challenges and readjustments. Old ideas of mine, old, old attitudes have to be cast aside, and I need to be dominated by new ideas and new attitudes. But that is made possible by the daily trudge. Um, you know, and following and aligning myself to these guidelines of a higher authority brings God into my life in every area of my life. Yes, there's roles and responsibilities that are given to me. There's roles as a wife. There's roles as a mother, as a daughter, as a sister, as a community member, as a sponsor, as a sponsee. (laughs) I have all different kinds of roles in my life. Um, And, you know, that is made possible by bringing God into the depths of my being, not being content to rest on the surface of life, but to live out of the depths of my being because it's in those depths where I find God. Am I tethered? Am I tethered? Who am I tethered to? People, places, things, money? Or am I tethered to God? When I'm tethered to God, then my life has meaning and purpose and fulfillment and a satisfaction, something I could never find in substances and bakery boxes and cellophane bags. Whatever I direct my life towards, that's going to run my life. So if my life is directed towards God and to living to the best of my ability what he wants of me, then my life is in balance and harmony, love, tolerance, patience, all the things that we all want, harmony. If my life is, is, you know, is uh, run by self-will, run riot, then it's chaos and confusion. So, you know, the question for me every day, invite God in or I invite disease in? There's no door number three. <laughs> Two doors, God, disease. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Mary Jane Z, it's your turn, followed by Larry K. Good morning. May I be heard? Yes, thank you. 
Good morning, my fellows. This is Mary Jane Z, recovered in Kentucky, but visiting family in Virginia right now. And um, the, the, the line that sticks out to me is that about balance. All activities should be balanced. And, you know, I'm reading this, I was the mother that made all the plans, but um, I also, obviously, I was the father, too. And I uh, just, a, you know, a storm going through life. And then I stopped when I worked the steps and got recovered and got to see the destruction uh, caused and the, you know, we, one of the phrases I've always heard is we train people how to treat us. And um, I watched everyone walk around me on eggshells and realized, oh, there, there is a lot of amends to be made here. And it did require sitting down and making direct amends, but it was a living amends that, made, that is making all the difference and it does not happen overnight. It's a long process. And here, visiting family, I'm here for a specific uh, event that happens yearly. And every year, I look forward to it for one thing, what was served on that big, long table. And these last couple of years, I come and I can be of service. I don't think I ever helped do anything except fill my plate. And it's amazing how much is involved in putting on this event that doesn't require sitting at a table uh, with a fork going back and forth from plate to mouth. So these last couple years, it's been wonderful to actually experience the setting up and the being part of t setting up, taking down. And now I actually remember the people that are at the event instead of what dishes they brought. And, um, you know, I, I hope my family sees the difference. Um, you know, they've never said anything, but I certainly feel the difference. And it, it's just a wonderful, um, wonderful experience to be of service. And so all you newcomers on the line, keep coming back because I, I know it's trite, but it really does work. And you just have to take the first step, make the first call. So thanks, I pass. Thank you, Mary Jane Z. And Larry Kay, it's your turn. Good morning. Good morning. Larry Kay recovered this morning. Thanks for your service. You know, the, um, this program of, act, of spiritual action is a daily walk for me. It's a daily walk. It wasn't a point in time, you know, that I had a spiritual awakening. Uh, for me, maybe you had something different. And then, of course, you know, you're done. Uh, you're changed forever without, without having to do any more work. And it was the strangest thing for me, see, because even though my family members didn't have a spiritual program of action, what was really strange is they all seemed to have a, a change when I changed. <laughs> Imagine that. They all, in fact, not just my family, people in my midst, they all began to change. Well, my perceptive lens changed. My actions changed. Like Leah said, my ideals, my emotions, my thinking changed. 
Well, as a, as a consequence of that, of course, other people began to change. See, I wasn't stepping on their toes quite as often. And eventually, and I began, and I began, it wasn't like walking on eggshells around me anymore. And I was predictable in a good way. So, of course, they changed. Now, that, now you know, I'll tell you, they didn't all change immediately. They didn't. And some of them are still changing. Some of them are still having a spiritual awakening as mine unfold. You know, there's a long period of reconstruction ahead with the family and the friends and the people and the coworkers and the everybody afterwards, right? There's a long period of reconstruction for some, but some are going to change right away because they're going to see that change in you. And they're going to see the miracle. This whole program, it's a miracle we're on this line. Think about it. I don't know. Is there two, 300 people on the line? There probably should be two billion people on the line, right? Two million people. I don't know. You know, there's lots of people that need this program, and there's lots of people that, that become exposed to it and want it. There's just very few that are willing to do it. It takes courage to change so that your family can see those changes in you. And I'm so grateful that I've begun to change. I hope, I hope God's never done with me. I don't think, I don't think God will be. Very grateful. With that, I pass. Thanks. And thank you, Larry Kay. There is time for a two-minute share if somebody would like that. Russ M. Okay, Russ, go ahead. We've got two minutes. Thank you. All right, two minutes. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, my fellows. So, yeah, my wife couldn't help but wear the pants. Even my kids had to wear the pants when I was sick and, and, and jammed up with this disease. I worked the steps. I'm now recovered. And I'm seeing all the things that, that they need to work on. So there's contentions, right? And, you know, I was at my wit's end, and I had three of my sister fellows here weren't afraid to tell me what it's like, the truth, and hammer me. And I started praying the prayers they told me to pray, my resentment prayers, the men's prayers. And before you know it, things started changing. And it wasn't my family. It was me. Now it's like I'm courting my wife again. It's a beautiful thing. Just like Larry said, there's, there are miracles. I can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. But I have to realize I've hurt them for so long. This thing has taken over for so long. It's going to take time for them to come around. But it's pretty darn quick if we just do what, what the steps tell us to do and what the book is trying to teach us and grow closer to God. So, I'm, look, I'm so grateful. I'm hearing all these beautiful shares. And the people that invested in me here, you've really helped my family out. You don't, you have no clue. And uh, for any newcomers, hang in there and do what your your sponsor says. Just get it done, and you'll be closer to God, and you, the miracles will happen. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, everybody. Love you. Thank you, Russ M., and thank you to everyone who shared and to Team Thursday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today's meeting is 11999. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. We'll read a please. Sorry, we'll read a P. Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure. Hi, this is Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater. 
Our, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.